Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today is my interview with Sean Fuller. Sean is best known as the drummer for the country duo Florida Georgia Line. Over the last couple years, this group has been blowing up, and Sean's performance has been a huge part of making this live show a big deal. Whether it's just over-the-top energy that he brings to the table or the huge drum sets that he gets to play, let's just say that Sean brings a lot to the table, and I'm sure the guys in Florida Georgia Line appreciate what he brings. I just found out today that Sean, along with four other great drummers, was nominated for Best Country Drummer in Modern Drummer Magazine. Uh, Good luck to everybody out there. This episode is sponsored by Forks Drum Closet, located just south of downtown Nashville, off 12th Avenue. So whether you're a pro player, a student, a weekend warrior, or collector, man, Forks has everything you need. If you're ever in Nashville, you've got to stop by and see the incredible selection of high-end gear and just come see where the pros hang out. Um, You never know who you're going to run into. Visit them at ForksDrumCloset.com or give them a call at 800-553-6757. As always, you can go to WorkingDrummer.net where you can see pictures and extra information about this podcast and other podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash WorkingDrummer. We're on Instagram. We have a Twitter account, working underscore drummer. We have a YouTube account. iTunes is a great place to go where you can subscribe to this podcast. New episodes will be downloaded every Wednesday. So let's get right to it. Here is Sean Fuller. I moved to Nashville in 1997. Uh, just kind of, I'm, I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana, or born in Evansville, Indiana, but I lived in Southern Indiana for most of my life. And, um, you know, I played music uh, pretty much all my life. I come from a very musical family where everybody played an instrument. Um, and I feel like drums was, it wasn't forced upon me. Yeah. But it was definitely like bestowed upon me, if you will, by my dad. Because I feel like, you know, uh, the first band that I was ever in was his band. But I think the reason why I was in that band is there wasn't, he didn't have a lot of drummers that were sticking around a lot, you know. So he's like, well, I'm going to make my son a drummer. And then I can not only I can tell him what to do, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, but it's been awesome. He's playing the parent card, it, playing the parent card. So it's but it's been awesome. And and I I don't know again as a drummer where I would be today if it wasn't for him, you know, educating me um, in the ways of great 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 drummers, um, great music in general. When it you know comes to like the Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or Queen or uh, Doobie Brothers stuff like that stuff that I grew up on. Yeah, right. What did he play? He was a guitar player. Still is a guitar player. But yeah. uh, his uh, his biggest uh, fan that he, or I'm sorry, the biggest band that he really loves is ZZ Top, which also um, is one of the best bands that I grew up on as well. And you had a chance to play with them. Not to go too, not to jump yeah. ahead too far, but uh, I read that. That was a, an amazing time. I, I was on an airplane headed out to do a, a, a motivational thing. And usually when you get a phone call, like when I look down and my phone's ringing and it's the manager of Florida Georgia Line, and usually when you see that on your phone, you're like, oh no, <laughs> you know, what did I do? And then your mind starts racing, you know, it's like, I'm going, trying to go back, did I do something wrong, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't. And I was like, okay, so I answered and he's like, uh, hey, just so you know, um, Frank Barrett's not going to be able to make the uh, award ceremony that for this mashup that we're doing with Jason Garulo and ZZ Top. So we're going to need you to play live with ZZ Top. Um, and of course, you know, their manager is younger and he's like, so I'm going to need you to learn the first 90 seconds of LaGrange. And I was like, 
I think I can cover that pretty <laughs> right, well. Exactly. I, I, I may have played that a time or two right, in my right. life. <laughs> so it was amazing, and and having Dusty and them come up come up to me afterwards and go, "Dude, I really love the way you hit those drums," and you know uh, that that was a bucket list item for sure. That, um, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's uh, we are super jumping ahead, but I think uh, that's a that was a cool point. <laughs> now, when you drive to Evansville, when you do you ever mm-hmm. drive back? Obviously, drive back home maybe to I, I do to see family. Um, it's it's <clears throat> it's not often as, as often as I'd like, um, but you know I, I probably get get to Evansville or in the surrounding areas maybe two three times a year. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask, do you ever pass Lagrange in Kentucky? I do. And do you I ever hear do. the intro when you're driving? Start, Am I the only drummer that no, hears I don't, that? I don't. You know what? I don't hear it. I play it on on I'm like, exactly. I start playing right on the steering wheel. You know. Yeah. Anybody that's in the car with you is like. We yeah. get it. Give it a rest. Exactly. Give it a rest. Exactly. But but the sign says Lagrange. It's right there. You yeah, can't miss it. That. You can't do that if you're yeah. a drummer. Or Frozen Head State Park. I don't know what <laughs> you would play with that. Or <laughs> I get a feeling. So like yeah, for all the traveling people out there, exactly. especially in the southeast. Uh, yeah. Well, how old were you when you started playing with your dad? Oh gosh, uh, I was playing in bars and clubs uh, with him when I was 16, 17 years old. Okay, wow. Yeah. So wow. very early age, and and it's fun because, um, and I still remember those times. I would get, you know, you you playing a four hour set just like you would, you know, anywhere else. Four hour set, and I'm, you know, playing all the golden oldies and classics, and I'm having a blast doing it because I'm learning as a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, it was just fun. But like, you know, on breaks, I would they would put me because they knew I was underage. I would have to go sit like on the opposite side of the club or where nobody was at. And of course, you know, they're giving you water or Kool-Aid basically or yeah, right. tea or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. And they basically had to hide you um, for the fact of somebody, you know, whether it be a, a police officer or whatever coming in and carding everybody, mm-hmm. they would get in trouble. But uh, um, back then, I mean, we're, I'm 43 years old, so I don't know that it mattered too much back then, exactly. <laughs> to be honest with you. But, right. uh, but I did all that. Yeah, yeah was man. Fun. That's awesome. Well, what was it about Nashville that said, okay, I'm done here. It's time for me to move on? You were know, you in school? Did you study? Uh, I was uh, um, coming out of high school. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I really had no clue as to what I want to do. And, it, and that includes music. I wasn't really for sure that music was the avenue that I was going to choose. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, I still to this day feel like it chose me, you know, more than anything. Right. Which is, you know, I don't mean that in a, in a boastful way. I just mean that in a way that like, man, there was nothing else out there that just really made me want to be like, oh yeah, I want to be a police officer or I want mm-hmm. to do this in Evansville or I want to go work at the steel mill or I want to, you know. Uh, That's a was, very common sentiment. I think people use that a yeah. lot. Music does choose you. Drums yeah. choose you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, <clears throat> and, and back at home, like I got to the point where I was, I don't know, I wasn't, I can't say that I was like the big fish in a small pond, um, but I definitely knew where my limitations were there. You know, yeah. I knew that there was a limit to what I was going to accomplish there. And in looking in my surroundings, there was nothing that interested me. And I was like, well, I either, I, I can either go work at some factory because I hadn't gone to college at that point. I was toying with the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I can either go work at the, you know, the local plastics place or, yeah. you know, some kind of whatever, mm-hmm. or I could really just get out of this area and go to right. somewhere where I feel like I can flourish a bit. Yeah. Know? Right. Um, and it was either going to be, you know, LA, New York or Nashville. And, and me being like a small town kind of guy, like, 
I was like, man, I'm going to go to Nashville, you know, and it, yep. and it was all on a whim, you know, it really was on a whim. And, uh, I came down for a weekend, drove around for a little bit, went home, came back a, a few months later and literally stayed in town and filled out several applications at jobs. I had to be back at home on Monday. So I came with enough money to pay for a hotel room for the weekend, Yeah, you know, and paid for the room, mm-hmm. stayed there and filled out applications uh, you know, three days in a row, right? And in hopes that somebody was going to call me while I was still in town, yeah, um, to go do the interview. Because if I would have went home, I would have had to right. drive all the way back. So sure, you know, it just would have been, uh, which isn't that far, but still, uh, for me on a low budget. You know, oh right, it is. exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I filled out applications on the very last day. I got a call from Opryland USA Hotel, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it was one of those like, thank God. So I went in for the interview, got the got the job. And uh, I moved probably like uh, two or three weeks later. 97. 97. Nice. Nice. It's a good year. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very good year. It was a good year. Uh, Drummer's Singing, the most unpopular podcast ever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, how did you find opportunities for playing well, I knew I knew right off the bat. I mean, it's it's Nashville. You're you know nobody's going to know you. Nobody's going to care to know you. Unless so, did you, you know, know anybody when you moved down here? No. Well, I take that back. I knew I knew one person, and he was actually the guy that kind of influenced me to move here. And since then, he actually moved back home. <laughs> okay. And and he was moving to Nashville to try to do like a singer songwriter kind of thing. Okay. And. Um, He's like, you should really make the move if you really, you know, right, if you really want to do something in music, you need to make the move. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved, and I, I toyed around with helping him do his thing for a little while, and uh, you know, he was trying to get some things going, but it just wasn't happening. Um, and I realized quickly that I needed to have a, you know, yeah. keep a keep keep a day job. Yeah. Um, and he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth there for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and and so I was kind of left there it was me and and uh, my then wife, mm-hmm. um, hanging out in Nashville. And so I ended up going down on Broadway and and yeah. started playing down there. And this was, I mean, talking '97. So back then. <clears throat> there was n- absolutely no guarantees money wise there was no yeah. nothing you strictly made tips and that was it so right. and my reality was was coming from Evansville where i played with my three piece band and we had like no overhead so yeah. i would walk out of a club with 4 or 500 bucks in my pocket yeah. come to nashville and i played 4 or 5 hours and i walk out with 20 dollars right you know if right. that sometimes and you're sure. like wow smack in the face there you know yeah <laughs> exactly wait a minute music city yeah but but i think it's an important point that you had that one contact such as it was but essentially yeah. you came down cold Cold. You came down not knowing a lot of people, yeah. and so it's it's you were able to uh, create opportunities. Exactly. You know what? And I have to say that, like, <clears throat> and I try to tell everybody this. You know, and, and and you won't just hear this from me. You'll hear it from Rich Redmonds. You'll hear it from from everybody. Kevin Murphy's or or insert whatever drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have to create relationships for yourself. You have to create. Um, um, a vibe for yourself, if you will. You have to let mm-hmm. people know who, what you're about, who you're about. You can play, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that's difficult, you know. But I'll be honest with you, like I, I think I when I moved here and I finally started stretching my arms and my legs a little bit to get out and meet people, like yeah, I feel like I just knew the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, where's everybody hanging out tonight? Hey, is mm-hmm. there is there a jam night somewhere? 
mm-hmm. you know, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, uh, and and I I did have that one person tell me, man, when you come here, have cards, have have your name on a card. Hmm. So I went to Vistaprint and yeah, right. You know, and, I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to like give a plug for Vistaprint, but <laughs> that's okay. They'll be <laughs> but, our sponsor uh, today. Yeah, there you go. But uh, but yeah, they you know I printed out 500 cards and yeah. just brought them with me, and it had nothing on it but my name, my number, and an email. Right. Um, and sure enough, I would go out and I literally took notebooks with me, like a pen and a notebook, and I would go to clubs or to bars or to wherever. And I would just sit there. Nobody knew me, but I would sit there like a student at a table with a pen and a pad of paper. Yeah. And I would write down the songs that they were playing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, and it turned out it was good because there was a lot of the same <laughs> songs being played in a lot of the same clubs. Yeah. You know, but then I would go home um, and I would, you know, try to find that material. Yeah. You know, YouTube wasn't right back then. Still you know? 97 or? Yeah, okay. exactly. You know, so you had to find ways to get that Exactly. Music, and yeah. then like somehow in your own way, I didn't know what a music chart was or a Nashville number system chart was. So mm-hmm. I, in my own way, mm-hmm. had to learn those songs. Yeah, right. Um, mentally, you know that kind of thing. And then of course, I again preparation's key. You know, mm-hmm. when you're trying to like let people know about you. So I prepared right. myself before I went out. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go out cold and just sit and go, oh look what I can do. You know, yeah, what I'm saying that yeah. kind of thing and do bad fills and wrong places and mm-hmm. you know things that I still probably still do. <laughs> you know <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, and so I prepared myself, and it was a good thing too because prepared yourself by learning the material, by, by learning the material. Okay. You know, um, and it's not that you're going to play that material out anywhere else, but you know what? What it did do is, is it did open some eyes. Um, uh, to letting me get up and play more. And the more you get up and play, the more you're seen. The more you're seen, right. the better things are. Sure. You know, because people go, oh, I like the way that drummer plays. Yeah. He's got a good sound about him. I like yeah. his, his feel. Or mm-hmm. I like the way he hits, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. let's give him a call. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that worked out really, really good. Um, and you yeah. talked about creating a vibe. What do yeah. you mean by that? Well, in, in the creating of your vibe, like, you know, again, it's letting people know who you are, what you're about, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, being a people person, being a, being, being a good person, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. uh, smiling, having mm-hmm. fun. Nobody wants to see somebody up on stage that's not having fun, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're not having fun, you probably shouldn't be on stage, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, that's like creating the vibe for myself is like, I get, I don't know about other drummers, but... <clears throat> And it's not that I don't pay attention to what's happening on stage, because I do. And in Nashville, there's a lot of times where people aren't necessarily playing things like the album, you know, right. uh, when you get up to play. Right. So I'm paying a bit of attention, but there's also a, time, a, a portion of me that just kind of gets soaked in to the song that you're playing. And so, like, you start to feel better. You start to f- create that vibe about who you are and what you want to present to the people that you're playing for. There was one other person that I knew that was from Evansville, Indiana, um, that was in college in Nashville. Hmm. I didn't know what he was going to be. I didn't know we didn't you know contact each other immediately or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened over time because I was still going back and forth to Evansville, okay. Nashville. Mm-hmm. But uh, the band that was in Evansville is this band called Stealing Grace, and it was just a local country cover band. And mm-hmm. uh, the guitar, one of the acoustic guitar players for that group, named Brian Kolb. And he was going to school at MTSU in Nashville. I knew of Brian, but I didn't know he was going to school mm. in Nashville. So when he found out that I was there, we started hanging out a little bit more. Yeah. Turns out he was uh, uh, interning uh, for this uh, uh, 
from was it not Murrah Publishing, uh, Famous Music Publishing down on Music okay. Row, and what Brian was doing is he was just an intern, so like he was the gopher, you know, you need me to go do this or go for that or do right, this, sure, that kind of thing. sure, but he was trying to develop himself as an engineer, a music a studio engineer. Oh, okay. Um, and at the bottom of Famous Music Publishing is this studio called Bedrock Studios. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still there. I would assume it still is. But um, <clears throat> Brian would go basically there at night when Famous was you know, shut down. They'd given him a key there because they trusted him to basically learn the studio and there were songwriters that would um, basically let him record their stuff. No, oh, nice. Um, with you know, so they wouldn't have to pay the day rate of the studio. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, so they would come at night, and Brian would run the studio and charge them like half or not even that. Sometimes, you know, for nothing. Right. To record their music, and he asked me one time. He goes, "Man, he goes, would you want to be you know the studio? Would you come in the studio with some of these songwriters and record drums?" And I was like. Absolutely. Sure. He goes, well, there's no pay involved. He goes, I go, pizza, beer? And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. We're done. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so as long as you feed me and, and yeah, we're good. You know, recording. Right? And- yeah. So I'm recording. And I'll tell you what, like, I look back on it now and it was the most educational thing because some of those same songwriters, Hillary Lindsay. Oh, okay. A major songwriter. Sure. I was cutting some of her very, very, very early demos. Just a few of them, but there was, there yeah. was some there. Uh-huh. Dallas Davidson. Another name okay. that I did. A mm-hmm. um, couple other different songwriters that had some some pretty massive hits. Yeah. Um, but I did some of the really early on, hey, we can't afford a studio guy sessions. <laughs> Interesting. Know, yeah, to, sure. Just to get in there. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I did a great job. I did what was necessary. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, that was some of the most educational stuff to date. Now, to tie that into where I am now, that was kind of the norm for me. I would go down to still play on Broadway, and that was like Tootsie's front lounge, back lounge area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any place on Broadway that would have me, I was I was playing it. And uh, along the way, doing those sessions with Brian, and to this day, basically how the Luke Bryan thing happened, I uh, uh, he was still just a songwriter for Murrah Publishing. Okay, and I th- I think him and Brian were roommates. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So again, small world, divine intervention, right? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, so I remember doing a session one night, late one night. And I said, Brian, I'm going to come back the next day and tear down the drums and whatever. You go, okay, well, you need to be here by such and such time because they've got sessions. Out. Okay, cool. Got there, tearing down the drums. In walks, walks Luke Bryan. He's on his phone. Of course. Luke's nobody. Nobody knows, you know, that kind of... Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm tearing down my stuff. Brian introduced me to Luke. And uh, Brian goes back to doing what he's doing. Um, I can hear Luke on the phone upset that his drummer bailed on him for the weekend of gigs. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm tearing down my stuff, and he goes and tells... He's talking to Brian about it. And Brian goes, well, my buddy Sean plays drums. He goes, he just did a session. Do you want to hear it? He's like, sure. So he listened to a little bit of the session... And he came in and he goes, or he goes, hey, he goes, uh, Sean, this is Luke Bryan. And, uh, his drummer built on him. Do you guys might want to chat about maybe playing? Okay, cool. So we switched numbers. Um, he said, I'll call you if I need you kind of thing. Yeah. As he's walking out, he goes, ah, screw it, you're hired. Yeah, right. So he hired me on the spot to go play drums that weekend. And, and that's how I ended up in his band for the longest time. Wow. And yeah. how long was that? Uh, off and on about two and a half, three years. Okay. And I say off and on because I was with him for like a year, year and a half. He literally just got signed by Capitol Records, and I left the group to oh. go 
do a rock project. Cause I'm a rock guy at heart. I mean, I don't know if you can yeah. tell on stage. But right. Sure. I'm yeah. very much into jazz, but no, I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I, actually, I really am love jazz. But uh, so I was very much into rock. I left the Luke Bryan thing. Wasn't for sure where the Luke Bryan thing was going to go. It was still really, really early, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You never know. Yeah. And I heard this, this band, the side project that I wanted to work on, they had already had the album done. It sounded great. They were being looked at by, uh, uh, what's uh, Creed's label back then? I forget what it was. I don't know. Uh, I, oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Okay. So they're being looked at by a label. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my opportunity for rock. Yeah. So I left Luke's thing on a good terms, you know. They had a guy that came in, so I left and went and did that for a little while. Um, did some great shows, did some great openings. And what was stuff. the name of that group? Uh, the name of the band was Volpine, V-U-L-P-I-N-E. I don't even know if there's anything still out there okay. on it, but... Okay. Uh, I still talk to a couple of the players and lead singer every once in a while, but um, but it never went anywhere. But I'll say this: we did some really cool things. Like we were opening for like Power Man Five Thousand and Saliva. Um, this whole was all happening when Hinder Lips of an Angel. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. The big song, right? You know, so we did some shows there. We, um, the Saliva shows were great. Um, Power Man Five Thousand shows were great. Um, we headlined a couple of things here and there, smaller venues. You know, we're mm-hmm. just a new act, that kind of thing. Uh, traveling in a van and a trailer doing rock stuff, man, and uh, old school in it. But um, it wasn't. It didn't pan out. Luke's guy wasn't panning out. I ended up back with Luke, so it was kind of an off and on kind of thing. And that's fortunate too. Yeah, yeah. So it, nice. was, it was very off and on thing. Um, my style had changed at that point. Like I was so into the rock thing, and Luke's stuff back then was still very, very country. It just mm. wasn't jiving, you know. Mm. So. When our separate ways on that was funny is if you look at his stuff now, it probably fit perfectly, you know? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, sure. <laughs> but, you know, and uh, Kent's a, Kent Slusher's a really good friend of mine, and he's such a super drummer, and he fits that perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, powerhouse drummer. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how those things happen, you know? Tennessee is big, but it's such a small town. It is. You know, it so is. your name gets out there quickly, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. I call it an incestuous group of exactly. musicians. That exactly. <laughs> exactly. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And they're all coming in daily. You know, it's like new, new people here oh, town daily. Amazing, yeah. Well, and you, you've obviously, you mentioned that you left Luke's gig on good terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was so important because when the rock gig fell through, mm-hmm. you had something to fall back on. Yeah, exactly. I think that's important for people to know. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, when... When the rubber meets the road, you know, we didn't agree on things at the end of the thing. You know, at the at the at the end of the day, we didn't agree on things. And and ultimately I lost, you know, I, I was let go. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But and I didn't understand the business side of things back then. I do full-heartedly now. Back mm-hmm. then I didn't. So I kind of took it personally, you know, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so it wasn't the second time around probably wasn't that great of good terms. Oh, I know? see. I but, see what you're saying. But that but you know what? Like here's the thing like as years passed, we've, we've all grown up and we've all gotten past that. And I'm mm-hmm. so happy about that because, you know, being, being that that was the first artist I ever did it anything with as a full-fledged artist, Yeah, you know, I still had to learn things and I still had to grow up and I was still immature and green. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I took it personally and, uh, and I shouldn't have, you know, but since then... It's, it's hard it's, though, man. I mean, yeah. it's easy to say, but I mean, the, that happens. It and, does. It really uh, does. We invest so much in what we do. Yeah. Music and playing drums. And, and um, so we're emotionally invested. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when the rug is pulled, pulled out from under, under us yeah. or anything changes 
that's not by our own design, mm-hmm. we it's hard not to take it personally. Well, and you know what? Like I, you know, not to to dwell on on uh, my past or anything like that, but I was going through a divorce and. There was just a thousand different life changes that I felt like I was going through at that time. Yeah, you know, yeah. which I, which ultimately I feel was the demise of that. So it wasn't Luke, and it wasn't his, you know, band leader's fault for all that. It was my own fault, and I just had to grow up, you know, mm. um, which I have. So you know, so it's great now. <laughs> well, it's 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 great that you can um, recognize that. I mean, I think there's there's times that people will hold that grudge or you know hold contempt for that situation yeah, for the absolutely. rest of their lives. So, yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and, and I have to say this, like there, I, I still get calls that, you know, randomly from different people that get let go from gigs and, and they're just absolutely distraught, heartbroken, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do and screw that guy or, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. But, yeah, but yeah. you know what? Like, I to this, I try, I try to console as much as I can because I've been there. I've been, in fact, mm-hmm. I've been through it twice, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I, I will say this, that, you know, Every every artist and their musicians that play for them have to fit like a hand in glove. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. And even us as artists or as musicians, we have to recognize that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of musicians that are just with artists because they're with an artist and they can say I'm with an artist. You know, mm, it's mm. not because they're happy playing with that artist or that yeah. they're happy playing that style of music with that artist. I can honestly say that with Florida Georgia Line, I'm happy to play with my artist. Yeah, for sure. Are, they, are you kidding me? Yeah. Who's going to let you go out on stage in spandex, sunglasses, <laughs> and and a, a Pantera shirt or whatever, Kiss yeah. shirt, insert whatever rock group that I love, yeah. you know, yeah. and just absolutely murder this double bass kit on stage and have fun rocking out? Oh, yeah. You know yeah, like, yeah right. Who, who gets that opportunity? Yeah. Not many. Yeah. You know? It's funny, Mike and I were talking about that. And when I was driving up here, we were catching up on the phone, and and uh, I said, "Yeah, I, I I'm excited to talk to Sean and ask him about his kit." And it's like, <laughs> I, I think to myself, "Which one, the triple bass drum kit or this one?" <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Go big or go home. You know? uh, right. Uh, huge kits. You know, as mm-hmm. a kid, I'm thinking, I'm looking at all these drummers that I idolized and the huge double bass kit and all this yeah. stuff, and it's it's not the kit, the type of kit that I play now. But yeah. I'm thinking. What an opportunity! What a what a mm-hmm. wonderful opportunity Absolutely. to be in a situation where you can do that. And I want to get there. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll we'll catch up with that. <laughs> yeah. So um, so how did you recover from Luke's gig? <clears throat> you know what's funny. That, that you know what's funny is like it, I feel like, and this it's not just my situation. I'm sure it's a lot of people's situation. Um, as a musician, you know, when you get let go of of a gig, um. If it, depending on how long you've been out there or what you've been doing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, for me, it was a domino effect. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny how this has happened. Mm-hmm. My story from, you know, Luke Bryan to Justin Moore to where I am with Florida Georgia Line. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> each one of those gigs, the last handful of gigs that I've had with each one has resulted in me playing with the artist that was either on that tour or who saw me on that tour even if it was just for a handful of shows, and I yeah. ended up with that group. Yeah, and the Florida Georgia Line thing uh, out of Justin Moore was exactly that. Okay, uh, we were on the uh, CMT Throwdown tour. Okay, how many years ago? Four years ago now. I think it was four years ago. Gary Allen was the headliner, and uh, we were 
the middle slot, and I think Josh Thompson was the the opening act. And then way off in the this was like you know throwdown tour. So there's two stages. So that's the main stage, and then you have the side stage that has other acts on it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I forget, I, it might have been Parmalee. Uh, Maggie Rose and Florida Georgia line. I, I think that might have been the lineup. I might be wrong. Um, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure Maggie Rose and I know Florida Georgia line were on. Um, but we were just on that throwdown tour for like five, six, seven shows. So oh, wow. we, weren't, we weren't on it for very long. I think yeah. we were splitting it up yeah. for whatever reasons. Okay. And um, I remember vaguely during that time, during those six or seven shows of during the day because they played during the day on the side stage of like going around running or biking or whatever it is that I was doing and maybe maybe possibly driving by or walking by that Mm -hmm. stage and hearing something Mm -hmm. from Florida Georgia Line I just wasn't for sure what it was because I was hearing like 808 hits and you know craziness happening and Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know what that is and I may have peered at it once or twice out of the corner of my eye and just like okay you know and then left yeah um and, I, and I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves here, but after talking or after getting the gig with Florida Georgia Line and, and talking to the guys, it was like, yeah, we were watching you perform with Justin Moore mm-hmm. and we're secretly talking about, man, we need, we need either a guy like that or that or guy. Or that guy. You know right. what I'm saying? Sure. For what we're doing. And I remember there, again, vaguely music being very rock and very you know, up tempo or, or in your face kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't put, you know, a face to the name at the time. Um, but, uh, I remember doing those, those things. And then, you know, obviously after getting the gig, uh, talking to them about it and they told me that, and, um, I was like, wow, that's, it's very interesting. But that, that the, getting the gig actually was interesting as well. I mean, mm. I don't know how far you want to go back to the Justin Moore thing, but um, I was with him. I, we'll, we'll just back it up there. I was yeah, with, for I, sure. I was with Justin Moore for uh, four years, almost five. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, that was off of seeing the last couple of shows of Luke, Luke Bryan, Bryan's gig. You know? Yeah. Uh, I was off for maybe... So were you offered the gig or was it an audition? It, it was an audition. It was an audition kind of situation. Um I was off for maybe two months from the Luke thing and, and got a call from them to, nice. to do that. Yeah. Uh, auditioned for the gig, got the gig. At the very beginning of it, for, for a couple of years or so, really loved it. You know, I thought it was, I, I was a big Southern Rock fan, it had a big Southern Rock feel to it. And I was digging it, you know, I was like, okay, cool, I could do this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as, and, you know, obviously as time progressed, you know, you, you start to feel like, was I really into this or was I really into just having a gig to financially stay ahead? You know, that kind of thing. That's a good question to ask yourself. Exactly. You yeah. know, and so <clears throat> I started getting into that realm because I wasn't, I was starting to really feel unappreciated, I guess is the word mm-hmm. to use. Um, unappreciated, probably not utilized in the aspects that I would like to have been utilized in for creation of certain things, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. basically looked over, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Right. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm in this gig now as the drummer and I'm okay with that, but I'm also a very creative person and I want to be creative. Do I want to continue that? And it just, it got to where I and the artist and, or the band members, we just weren't seeing eye to eye and I wasn't happy. They weren't happy. Mutual parting of the ways, if you will. I see. It is what it is kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But again, last few shows of that, 
developed into the Florida Georgia Florida line thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like each each one of those was a was a growing situation where I had to learn more about myself, right? What I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do, right? Um, and I feel like every musician needs to discover that. You know, don't just have a gig to have a gig. You know, mm. be happy with your gig. If you're not happy with your gig, guess what? That happiness is just going to keep demising. It's not going to get better. You know, right? Right. Uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to have more fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just going to be one of those. Well, I've got a gig. Yeah. And that's and that's where you hear the term a lot of times. Like, oh, there's just so many jaded musicians in Nashville. It's like, well, it's because there's a lot of guys that are great musicians, um, but aren't necessarily happy with their gigs you know but they also don't want to rock the boat because that's also their financial stability exactly you know well and we've talked about this before that one of the things about nashville is that you have an artist whether it's one person or two or three people and you're you're the hired gun and when we grew up we watched bands and our heroes were the bands on stage and they were the, they were the people that made up that institution absolutely and when you and when you look at it you're like i want to be that when i grow up and then yeah, yeah. and then when you get there it's like, wait a minute, this isn't how I envisioned it. Right. Well, so, and to a certain extent. Unless, but like you were talking about the rock thing that you wanted to do. Oh, were well, you an equal definitely. Were you an equal part of that member? Were you a member of that group? Or were you more of a hired gun? Well, I feel like right off the bat it was a hired gun thing because the album was already done. You I know see, what I'm saying? I see. But they wanted me to be an equal partner in it. Um, the the again, the thing was is an equal partner of zero percent of things happening is zero percent at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So, That's true. So you're not, I wasn't making anything off of it. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that we did, we didn't make money off of right. it. Right. nothing but, to be made. But I think my point is a lot of times with, with a place like Nashville, and I know it happens in other places as well, but uh, you, you come in with a kind of um, more grandiose uh, concept of the way yeah. music is played and the, mm-hmm. the way you, the music business is experienced. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm just the hired gun and I'm just as replaceable, probably more so than mm-hmm. the road manager mm-hmm. or the in, the front of house engineer. Absolutely. And you're like, wait a minute, but I'm the guy on stage and I'm, you know, you have to totally rethink. So I know what you're saying, but I think a lot of people need to make sure they know what they're getting into. Absolutely. Maybe a hired gun for some players is, this is good. I don't need the responsibility. I don't need... Absolutely. I've played those roles before, and yeah. there's times that I'm like, uh, I just want to play drums and then kind of pursue some other things. So let mm-hmm. me come in and do my thing. It beats drywall. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're, and you know what? You're absolutely right. And I, and I apologize for not hitting on that, but that's exactly right. You know, you can... But if it, you feel driven, that's yeah. what... This, I want to make sure... Like, right, like, exactly. Like, there's, a, there's a difference. You know, you're going to have guys that are like, this is what it is. I know what it is, and I'm okay with that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, it was, this is what it is. For Sean Fuller. Yeah, for me, Sean Fuller, <laughs> you know, it's, this is the way it is. Am I okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. I need to do something else. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, there's something inside of me that wants to, that wants to like, burst out of the chest and be something totally more than just that guy that sits behind the drum set in the dark or in a corner on the stage and yeah. plays. You know? Yeah. And I think my guys... Uh, in Florida Georgia Line get that and they let me explore that now that's not to say that there's not 
a fine line there to teeter-totter on. You have to grow into the music business to really know what that line is. And that's just knowing your artists, asking them questions, making sure you're not, you know, getting across that line that they would perceive as infringing on anything that they're doing. Well, the things that, and I think we've become friends on Facebook, and I see things that you post, and I I see... uh, and kind of doing a little bit of research and kind of keeping up or checking up on what you're doing since, especially since we started this podcast in January, right. I get a pretty distinct impression that you're allowed to explore a lot of this yes. with Florida Georgia line. I really am. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty evident. Mm-hmm. Um, almost instantaneously. It's like, who gets to play a kit like that? No, dude. And who gets to wear, who gets to wear, you know, Hey folks, I love that that you do online. Which shirt do you want me to you ask the fans? Which metal shirt should I wear tonight? Well, you know what? It's here's the thing. They call this the entertainment business. It's very much a business, but it's but it's also supposed to be about entertainment. You and you saying? mentioned that when I when I was setting up. What, what did, so expound upon that? Yeah. If you don't to, mind. Okay. So you know. <clears throat> in the beginning, when I started, when the beginning, in the beginning, <laughs> when I started doing this stuff, you know. I, I, I was starting to realize, like, you know, like, fans in general want so badly to, if they can't be on that stage with you, they want to be up close to that stage with you. Mm-hmm. And if they're in the nosebleeds and they can't, they want to know so much about you that it feels like they're up close to the stage with mm-hmm. you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. There, there are things that I choose not to, to embellish on online and things like that, which I think you have to be very, very, you know, um, uh, adamant about is like, you know, your social media, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to put things out there that you don't want millions of people to see, especially in my role with such a huge group. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, if I was with Justin Moore Steele or whatever, I don't feel like people would care, you know, that kind of thing. So you're saying like maybe remaining neutral about certain exactly. things, whether well, it's... Yeah, I mean, to, to a certain degree. I mean, I just, I choose to keep things that I feel like are personal to me, personal. Yeah. You know, I don't know that anybody else needs to know that kind of business, but what I do know is, is that... I'll let people definitely dive into who I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'll let you know about my past, i.e. what we're talking about here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not the best past in the world. I didn't really take the best path, if you will, but I feel like it was the best growing path. It's your path, It's man. my path. You know sure. what I'm saying? Um, and people say, well, how did you get that gig? Well, I, I, you know, I, I try to say, well, I, I felt like I was good enough to get it. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's not even about so much my talent level because there are guys that'll blow me away on drums. It's no questions asked on that. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just because like I've become a better person. Mm-hmm. People can hang out with me and have a good time. Mm-hmm. I can have a great time on stage, yeah. you know. And I know for FGL's purposes, it might. I mean, you can't put me with what I wear and that drum kit on stage with George Strait. Okay, you can't put me on that stage with with, you know, insert whatever act that kind of thing. It's a personalized thing that's for FGL. But I also don't want people to think that like I'm pigeonholed to that guy. Mm-hmm. I can sit on stage with a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and rock out and just have as much fun, mm-hmm. or just sit back and mm-hmm. play pocket, right. or go in a studio and record sessions. Right. You know that kind of thing. Um, I can do those kind of things. But what's so awesome about FGL is that. They know that people want to get fed entertainment, you know? Yeah. And in this day and age, when there's so many things to choose from entertainment-wise, whether it's a baseball game or a football game or to go see an FGL concert, 
they want people to spend their money on FGL concerts because they know they're going to get their money's worth. Yeah. And I feel that way. I've felt that way since I was a little kid playing on drums in a, or, or in a club or a bar. Right. I don't feel like I ever want to go on that stage half cocked or whatever and not give 150% and then walk off stage like I call it in. If I ever do that, it's time to hang them up and retire. Sure, you know sure, what I'm sure. I don't ever want anybody in an audience to ever walk out of an FGL show or any show that I'm involved in, whether it's a clinic, um, you know, a motivational thing or whatever, and mm-hmm. feel like they didn't mm-hmm. get their money's worth. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. Um, so I give it everything I have, no matter what's happened that day. Yeah. And that's for any drummer to, to, to start thinking about. No matter what's happened that day in your life, your cat died, your dog died, your guinea pig, whatever. Whatever has happened that day, you have to drop that at the stair steps before you walk up on that stage because people are there to see something. Right. You know, right. they're there right. to hear something and see something that they have paid good money to and what I call a temporary vacation for them yeah. from their daily lives. You right. know, and you have to you have to give that to them. Right. And if you don't, then you, there, a couple of things happen here. Your your artist takes a hit that you play for because mm. you know they don't. You know they're like, oh well, that was an okay show, I guess, or whatever. But that's not really what you want them to walk away with because mm-hmm. then they're not going to come back the next time they have a choice between just going and seeing your act or a football game or a baseball. Like, oh, they're in town. Well, I'll go watch a football game. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You want them to go, that was such a great time that I had at that last show. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm not only going to buy my ticket, but I'm going to get five of my friends to go. Right, right. You know, that's right. what you want to hear. And that's sure. what you want to do. And, that's what and those guys saw that in you. Absolutely. Right. And that's what I provide. On. So to me, it would be, to me, it would be not only letting myself down to not mm-hmm. give 150% on stage mm-hmm. at night mm-hmm. or during the day or whenever our show is, but it would be letting the audience down. It would be letting the artist down. It would be letting their management down. It'd be letting everybody down because I had a bad day and just wouldn't right. give them the show that I know that I can give. What do you do to take care of yourself? Man, all of us, all of us um, uh, in FGL, uh, we, we, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, if there's not a pizza after show that we're not going to be like, oh, that pizza, I'm going to have a slice. We do. You know what I'm saying? But everything in moderation. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Including Uh, moderation. Including moderation itself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, but no, we we all um, try to stay on some kind of workout routine. Um, And that was from early on. Here as of late, like this last year, so we've had a uh, physical trainer that's been out with um, Thomas Rett's group Mm -hmm. and our group working with both of us. Okay. And uh, so we'll do some workout stuff with him. But if we can't, I mean, he's mainly there for the artist. Yeah. So if we don't have time to do that with him, what we try to do is we try to um, obviously locate a local gym. Yeah. Someplace that's, that's within a few miles or whatever. Um, and a lot of the times our guys, because they're so cool and, and know that we're trying to stay in shape for them, they'll just comp it. So they'll take care of it for us. Oh, we'll that's go, cool. We'll go work out. We'll come back. We'll sound check. You know, that kind of thing. But... To be able to have, you know, again, I, I know I'm praising my guys a lot, but they deserve sure, it. You know, they sure, sure. That's, that's a pretty they, unique situation. They take, they situation. take care of us, you know, yeah. um, because we take care of them. So, you know, <clears throat> we'll go to a gym, we'll go work out, even if it's just a little bit of exercise. Some of us have bikes out there, so we'll go for a bike ride. That's awesome. Um, you know, we'll go for a jog or a run or that kind of thing. Anything that we can do to maintain some kind of health on the yeah. road. And I know that helps mental. And when you work physically, that helps your mental state as well. But is there something in addition, keeping your mental state, man, having a, having a, 
oh, she's going to love this. Having a great fiance, you know, mm-hmm. and a little child. Yeah, you know? I understand. Um, it's, it's, you know, going back into the realm of having, having a, a baby changes so many things about mm-hmm. your life, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, things that used to be so big aren't so big. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, Perspective. Oh, my God. They don't have salad out here for catering? You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously? Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. You just uh, <laughs> you don't think about um, those smaller things. And if you do, you get past them pretty quick. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it's only a phone call away or, or you know, a little uh, Skype away from seeing your baby. And, oh, you tell know, me about it. Thing. Yeah, so, thank God for FaceTime. Absolutely. So, you know, with, with new things like that, um, it's made touring quite a bit easier. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I couldn't only, I could only imagine a good friend of mine, Glenn Samuel, is drummer for Alice Cooper. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, when he has the same technology, but like when they go out, they go out for several, several weeks at a time, six, right. seven weeks at a time. Um, and he doesn't have a child or anything like that, you know, but he, ha- he does have a, a girlfriend, you know, that kind of thing. I could, I could only imagine, or heck, put it, insert armed forces people. Oh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, yeah, it, that's, that puts things in it major perspective. Major, major perspective. I, I was getting ready to leave for uh, uh, seven weeks. Yeah. And I talked to my sons and I said, okay, guys, listen, um, we're going to keep in touch as much as we can, but I want you to always remember that I'm out on tour. Mm hmm. We have some friends whose father was overseas in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not going to Afghanistan. I'm yeah. going to Canada yeah. <laughs> to, to play drums. And you know they are <laughs> that's, that's right. Canadians, man. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is going to suck while I'm gone. Yeah. Um, probably for me more than you, but just, yeah. just keep that in mind and, mm-hmm. and, you know, keep those, that family in your prayers more mm-hmm. than us, you know, and we'll keep in touch when we can. Absolutely. You, you know, know, and I, I mean, my daughter's, she's 16 months old and so she's still very, very young and doesn't really understand, you yeah. know, where yeah. that's at yet. So to her, you know, she sees my bag packed and she's like, Oh God, you know, she's inconsolable then, you know what I'm saying? Oh, she's a big wow. old daddy's girl. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I've, I've taken little videos of her uh, when I've had my luggage on the ground sitting in the bedroom and I'll try to locate her where she's at and I'll go in the bedroom and she's sitting on top of the luggage. She, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she's, she's at that point. Like she, she's, she knows what's going on, yeah. but she's going hard. nowhere. Yeah. It's hard to tell, you know, Hey, listen, dad's just going to be gone for three or four days. Mm-hmm. He'll be back home. But when I do, it's even more excited because she's like, Oh my God, it's daddy. You know, that yeah, kind of thing. I love that. Um, love so, that. you know, it, it, it's, it definitely, uh, it definitely does suck. But I'll tell you, like, um, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine going away for several weeks at a time and having to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that would be rough. Um, so, yes. you know, <laughs> it was, <laughs> well, yeah, well, there you go. And you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you absolutely know. And, and me, I'm relatively new to it, but I, mm-hmm. and it, and it sucks for the three or four days that I'm gone to, yeah. to have those feelings inside it because, you know, you're trying to maintain what's happening out here, especially for a large group like FGL or take Matt Billingsley, for example. Yeah. Amazing drummer playing with mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. I can only imagine what it's like for him because he's got children too. Yeah. Know? Right. Um, and, and so, you know, he would be a great person to talk about juggling that as well. He's oh, just, you know, right. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, but he's, he's one of those guys who's very driven um, and, and has his head on right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And you have to be to be a father uh, and a musician out on the road back and forth yeah. and heading out. You have to, you as well, you know. And be a strong partner. Be a strong right. partner, yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. 
I want to talk about your clinics. Okay. I want to talk about, um, I, I wasn't, uh, I was not familiar with the fact that you were doing that. Uh, so I saw that online. I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. It's That's relatively it. new, but, it, but okay. I, but I am doing those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, I wish that I was doing more of them, but it's, it's kind of sporadic right now, but we're also at the end of end of a year. Um, and we've been very busy at FGL camp mm-hmm. too. So it's okay. kind of hard to, yeah get out and do those kind of things. But as we, uh, progress, it's getting a little bit easier. To and what do you, niche. is there a style? Is there an approach to Man, how you do you this? What? Or are you still, is it still evolving? It's, it's still evolving, but I will say that it, you know, everything that I try to do in front of, you know, these kids that are just absolute sponges absorbing everything that you say yeah, is, you know, try to leave them with motivation Try to leave them with inspiration, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, um, I entertain them because they, you know, what they see on YouTube is this larger than life stage thing happening with this huge drum kit and this guy that looks like a gorilla <laughs> back there swinging his arms around, you know, yeah. and China's up in the air like Tommy Aldridge, right, you right. Know, all that good stuff. So, that, you know, right. they see all this stuff. And they're and so when they come to a clinic, I don't want to let them down. So, okay, you see sure. What I'm yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want them to show up and I'm like in sweatpants and a t-shirt, you know. And I've dumbed it down and and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, what I'm saying I literally show up most of the time. Game ready. Game ready. You know, <laughs> we just did a, a Casio uh, in in Milwaukee. Okay. And it was me, Glenn Sobel, uh, Glenn Caruba, and uh, Peter Erskine. Wow! And, great. And, oh God, Peter was amazing. Yeah, God, yeah, he's, he's, so, amazing. he's so soft-spoken. Yeah, but he's funny. He's mm-hmm. so hilarious. Anyway, um, so we just did this, and the first clinic that I did was at a guitar center, and I didn't do that, and I and it went fine, mm-hmm. but like the involvement came is like I was sitting there thinking to myself, literally nervous to my stomach, four days before this event in Milwaukee, and I'm mm-hmm. like what am I going to do? Like, I know what I want to say. Yeah. I know what songs I'm going to play mm-hmm. because they're going to want to hear FGL songs. So I'm going to yeah. play those, yeah. you know, so I know what I'm going to do, but I've got nine or 75 minutes to fill, you know, of, of time here. Wow. What is it that I want to do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Like I've been to tons of clinics, so I, I know that there's a lot of them that are just very educational and, right. and people that will sit there and, They'll listen and that kind of thing. There's a component to it, and we have discussed this with, yeah. with like Jim Riley and, yeah. and and Rich, and and they talk about you have to have the entertainment factor, you have to have the educational, but you can't mm-hmm. go too deep. Go you'll too lose deep. them. You'll lose them. You're absolutely right. Um, they have to be able to walk away with with something, and and it's it's there's a whole different thing. There's a whole art to it, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you and I are very close in age, where we grew up with the whole clinic thing. Yeah. I think more so than mm-hmm. maybe drummers that uh, drummers older than us, that maybe there was never a clinic around, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I think no. they're almost going, there's less of it's them a, available. It's a dying breed, man. It really, really is. And, and I don't know, man, like when I think, maybe that's place, your new book, the dying breed, the, dying breed. the accompaniment to the new breed, the new book. breed is like the opposite. That's the opposite. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you like, you know, <clears throat> growing up to me is like, you had the best drummers playing the best music at the best time. You mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. you had the Dave Weckles and, and the Vinnie Callies, which who's still killing it. And, you know, uh, the Dennis Chambers is, and, you know, insert what Simon right. Phillips, yeah, you know, exactly. Whatever. Insert whatever name. And those guys, when they did a clinic, 
I mean, five, six, seven, eight hundred people, oh, thousand people show I know. up to him. Yep, you're right. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Now you're lucky to get fifty to a hundred on mm-hmm. any big name. Yeah. You know, I've been to clinks with with big name country drummers or even some rock drummers. Yeah. And you're lucky to get a hundred people at these things. Mm. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, the Casio clinic, the one that we just did, mm-hmm. that had all of us on it. Yeah. Um, I think that day there was about four or five hundred people. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it wasn't so it it wasn't bad. Right. But something like that kind of lineup when you had that many big hitters on a on a yeah. thing, you would think would be Yeah. Huge. In in ninety six or ninety seven at I worked at Columbus Pro Percussion yeah. in Ohio and we yeah. had drum days that Jeff Hartso had started. And one of the first couple was Erskine mm-hmm. and Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, but th- there were four or five drummers. And, and I think we were pushing 500 people, yeah. and we were pretty excited about that. And I know yeah. it, it grew from there. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, I had a, that was the first time that I've ever been invited to anything that big. And it's like one of the last I tell you what, though, man. You know? It's very impressive, though. Because you, you, you were, you. That, I mean, that's quite a lineup there. Yeah. It was, so. it was fun. Again, it's like, that's another one of those, those bucket list things, you know, that I yeah. talk about. Oh, dude, the Frank Beard thing. And then like this kind of thing. And, yeah. and I'll tell you this, Cassio. The, did you wear adult diapers? I did not wear adult diapers, but I, but I'll tell you, I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't even get into the realm of what was happening to me to those two days that I was there in Milwaukee yeah. because I was, I was sick. I was, I was not feeling good. Oh, no. I had a touch of a, like a flu bug kind of thing. Yeah. I'll just let your mind wander from there. But, um, you know, that being said, it was the best thing. Like, and I actually felt like, I felt like I had a great time. And the reason why I had a great time doing it is because I came in like guns a blazing. I was like, I'm going to be the guy. I'm the first one on the bill. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the guy that sets the tone for this thing. Nice. You know? Yeah. And so I did, I showed up with the spandex on, I showed up with the glasses on a kiss shirt and just freaking sat. And I, I, I just sat there and I looked at them. They were quiet. And I made them get up out of their chairs. Right. And I made them like, you know, like, let's make this into a concert. Erskine's like, daggone it. <laughs> I was going to wear the Kiss shirt. So he went and got his Kingdom Come shirt on. Well, put exactly, that on. Exactly, you know. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Nashville Drummer Jam. Nashville Drummer Jam. And uh, your involvement in it in the past and what you've done and uh, kind of your impression on it. Man, well, first of all, it's 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 a it's a great opportunity to to be a part of something again because I'm one of those guys that loves to get myself out beyond you know being just a stage drummer. Mm-hmm. It sets the stage for you to also personalize yourself in front of people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, if you will, it, it gets you closer to them, makes it more intimate. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm all about that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. again, there's things that you, you know, obviously you keep to yourself, but when it comes to something like this, it's such a fun thing because you get to hang out with your buddies. Yeah. You get to talk shop, talk drums, talk mm-hmm. life, talk yeah. touring, whatever. Um, and, and then you get to get up and you get to play one song of a band that, that obviously, you know, guys like myself, we, you know, oh, gritted our teeth to, you know, the first, yeah. the, the, the only one that I'd done um, up to this point is the uh, the Rush one, and that was so much fun. Great, great band, so much fun to perform, and to see so many other drummers. There was a lot of drummers that I'd never met before, but they knew me, mm-hmm. 
um, or in, in that realm and, and to watch them perform, you're like going, wow, yeah, there's some ridiculous talent it, in yeah, this town, dude. It's amazing. It unbelievable. Right, right. You know, so right. To, to see that and then to be like, hang out with them. And then, of course, you know, after somebody gets up and just kills you, you're like going, oh. No, I gotta kill it. I gotta get up there, you know. <laughs> so you're like, you're like literally. Well, because the opposite is not does not work. Oh no, 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 no! I, I would watch people. They'd watch somebody and they'd kill it, and so they would go backstage and put on their headphones, like listening to their song, like, okay, I got that. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, okay. you know, like mm-hmm. making sure mm-hmm. that they weren't going to get up and flub it because nobody wanted to be the first guy that yeah. messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, nobody yeah, wanted yeah, to be that guy. Yeah. So, uh, but everybody was just murdering it and did a yeah, great it, job. It, so it the was, rush thing was amazing, and then obviously now this one. Right. So there was the Rush one. There was the Stuart Copeland, which was number six. Number seven, and it's already been announced, yeah. is Alex, Alex Van, Halen. Van Halen. So tell me about your experience with Van Halen oh growing up. When you first discovered Van Halen. and the I tell you, it was um, very early. Uh, well, I say early, but like the, the first, I mean, I was born in 72. The first album that I was like, Oh my God! Was 1984, mm-hmm. and then I had to go backwards. Like that's the thing with me. Like I'll, you know, any insert any band. I'll hear something that's at that time right. that I may not recognize or whatever. I'll get into it. And it's like okay, now I gotta move. I gotta move backwards and see what their their back. Yeah, you know, that the back albums were. Um, that's but what responsible musicians do. Oh, well, exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, but 1984 was the first album that like I was just like. Holy cow, you know, mm-hmm. picture of a baby smoking a cigarette on it, you know, just like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, I was into it, I dig it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but uh, so I listened to that album, and then if, if I mean, obviously, Jump was um, the radio song, you know, um, yeah. but I got into Panama, Top Jimmy. Um, gosh, and if you didn't get into Hot for Teacher, you were just un American, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, uh, anything on that album was yeah. just unbelievable and i think it was like that, that to me and not that that none of the albums previous to that were the coming out of who alex van halen was it's a phenomenal drummer and if and if you didn't know those albums though and 1984 was the first album you heard you're like holy cow that drummer's amazing it was a He's good a great, introduction absolutely it's a great introduction it was like the mainstream one that really pushed some things out there you yeah. know yeah. um and so, you know, I started there, and then, I, of course, I had to go back and get Diver Down and Van Halen 2 and Women and Children First, which is the album that I'm doing something off of. I'm doing okay. something off of Women and Children First called Take Your Whiskey Home. Okay. Um, and great song, kind of a, I don't know, just like a little swingy kind of tune, you know, if you Yeah, will. and I don't know that song. Tell yeah. me about what's what's going on with that. Are there any, is there anything about that that you're like, okay, I'm going to have to work this out, no. or is it just going to be fun to just sit it's down just and play? It's just a fun rock song to play that's got this little, this little, like this just little swingy kind of thing happening mm-hmm. to it, you know? Yeah. And I was like... I could I could go and play something off of fifty one fifty or mm-hmm. Van Hagar, if you will. Right, right. Kind of Whatever. I could do any of that kind of stuff, but like I'd rather be old school. I'm an old school guy. I'm forty three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> let somebody else do, you know, something off of off of, of those albums. I'm gonna go backwards and I'm gonna go do something that it's not the song that everybody's like you know, oh, you never it's know. One, but it's one of those songs you're like, know. oh, I remember that song. Yeah, you know that's a killer song. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and and honestly, like in talking to uh, Nick's about it, uh, I pulled that one out of the head. He's like, dude, thank you, because <laughs> he wanted he wanted somebody to do something old school. And I was yeah. like, I'll yeah. do it. I'm in. You yeah. Know? So, we're gonna do that one. It's a great song. I think it's great that um, you know here it is. 
there's a tribute to this great drummer mm-hmm. whose brother is this iconic guitar player. Yeah. And when I came to the Rush tribute, mm-hmm. you know the place was packed with drummers. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you, who's going to have a Rush show and then not have... Not have or, or Bonham or, or Picaro or, 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 any, Picaro, of the, or exactly. any of them. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I think the unique thing about this is that uh, there's going to be a lot of guitar players in the well, audience. you know why? Because Eddie Van Halen was originally a drummer, and Alex was a guitar player. Oh. And then they switched roles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And obviously it worked out for both of them very, very well. I'd say so. <laughs> I'd say so. So December 14th mm-hmm. is the show, Exit the show. In. Exit In, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. So. Can't wait, man. It's, it's going to be good to see everybody again, and, and good to, to get up and have fun. And, um, you know, I... I guess I can throw on some spandex for that. Okay. Being it that old, do you think I could, or should I? You, should I, if you're doing it now, man, I'd say I'd like say you're good to go. And if you there. don't, there'll probably be extras in the back. We're gonna be That's there. True. That's true. Okay. Yeah. We've got. A, we're gonna have a room in the back. <laughs> we're gonna. We might stream live. We might not. But okay. we're gonna have video and all that stuff uh, rare to go. So, just for anybody that's kind of checking out things, uh, we'll be there and um, rehearsal videos. And show videos and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, Nashville Drummer Jam. Yeah, everybody come out and get to this, man. Like, even if you're not a drummer, like just the fact that you get to hang out or and with some of these guys that are out touring. Like, it's not just, it's, you know, it's, it's about the drumming community and what we can do there, honestly. It's for great cause, you know? Right. So, I don't, don't want to uh, make sure that's mentioned that this stuff is for a charity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a great, it's a great cause, great charity. Um, and, and and honestly, like I have to say this about drummers, like and not well, I, well musicians in general, but like when it comes to something like this, like we're the first ones to jump at this kind of thing. It's not for our personal reasons as much as it is to to help the community at large. Right. You know what I'm saying, right? And that's and that's the main focus here. Mm-hmm. We we, we want to get up, we want to have fun, we want to smile at somebody. We honestly want somebody to mess up so that we can all <laughs> laugh at them. You know? Exactly. But the honesty is, is that yeah. we we really do this because we we you know we we love what we do as musicians. But we also, this is another, just another small way that we get to give back. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, thanks. Dude, thank you so much. Matt, you're amazing, man. I loved it. That's been an awesome day. Cool. Thanks. Good luck with your move. Thank you very much. I'll do so. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. There's Sean Fuller. As you can tell, the man has given some wiggle room to express himself, to be that drummer that we always wanted to be when we were kids to play the huge kit, and um, it sounds like uh, a ton of fun, and he uh, takes it very seriously. Uh, Thanks, Sean, for sitting down and talking with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Mike Jackson. He is my tech guru, idea man. Uh, It's great to have somebody with uh, creative vision and knowledge to bounce ideas off of and keep this thing moving and grooving forward. That's right, I just said moving and grooving. I want to read this. This is from Colin. He left this comment on the website pertaining to Greg Morrow's interview. He writes, Thanks so much for this interview. Greg Morrow is my favorite drummer of all time and probably my biggest drumming influence since I started playing 30 years ago. I have followed his career ever since the early 1980s with Dick Armo and Key, but I've never had the pleasure of meeting him or hearing his story. Thanks so much for doing this and posting it for all to hear. Man, I'm so glad. Greg is awesome. He's a great drummer. He's a super cool guy, and uh, it was an honor to talk to him. And I hope that if you don't know who Greg Morrow is, 
I hope that this interview is a, is a gateway into um, what he's accomplished and what he does and uh, how he does it. He's awesome. We're in November, but coming up in December, we have the Nashville Drummer Jam 7, which is a tribute to Alex Van Halen. We're going to try and put up some interviews with the drummers that are going to be on that show, and we're very excited to become a part of that uh, with uh, extra videos with the rehearsal and the show and the backstage stuff. So December 14th at the Exit Inn here in Nashville is the Nashville Drummer Jam 7. Check it out. Go to their website. So everybody, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you following what we're doing. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.